We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by my co-host here on Rotoviz Overtime. It is Sean Siegel. Sean is also the co-owner of the uh, Rotoviz OT main event team over at the FFPC, and we've talked about it quite a bit, Sean, in recent weeks. And we talked last week about we were disappointed to lose Debo. We were disappointed to lose Swift. We were missing both of those guys this week. We were missing AJ Dillon, who was on a bye. We were missing Chubba Hubbard, who was on a bye. That main event team started Ronald Jones, who got one and a half points this week. It also started Devontae Parker, who was a waiver wire acquisition recently, um, who had solid day for us. But with missing those players, and also, uh, sorry, with uh, Tyreek Hill getting 4.2 points, all we needed was Justin Jefferson and Chris Godwin uh, to to just combine for twenty six receptions on the day. Um, you know, over three hundred receiving yards. I think that was all that we had to do. But um, we did get the W. We squeezed it out in the end with uh, Ramondre Stevenson, and uh, we're into the final this week. So exciting one for the OT team. But um, again, I think Sean, we did get some luck this week, but proven again why those structures of targeting those elite end wide receivers is certainly the way to go. Well, Colin, you mentioned Ronald Jones, and I know that Leonard Fournette is now up into rarefied air as dominating as the Buccaneers running back. But the fact of the matter is the playing Ronald Jones is good luck. That's the, I, I was actually thinking this, I wonder how many teams started Ronald Jones in the uh, main event this week and won. Or lost, or like still have him on the roster zero. Right? Or even started him, yeah. But so, they started and won. <laughs> yeah, it, 
you, we got off to a, a rough start on Thursday night with our opponent smartly deciding to play Taysom Hill over Russell Wilson, gets those 27 points, gets that last touchdown to really get the point total out there. We also get hammered at defense and kicker where Matt Gay and the Miami Dolphins combined for 26 points. We have the low score for Tyreek Hill. But as you mentioned, things just tend to work out, right? You have the monster performances from Justin Jefferson, from Chris Godwin. We are now in a situation column where we do not have Cooper Cup, who has been easily the fantasy MVP of the 2021 season. Congrats to him as he continues to slaughter defenses each and every week. But Colin, we have the next four guys in total points. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and Debo Samuels. You have four of the top five wide receivers, and you're in there with a chance. We're going to get A.J. Dillon back. We're going to have Chuba Hubbard back also. Another nice little development for us is that the better of the two teams in the other semifinal did go down. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have a great matchup this week or that we won't still be the underdogs with the lineup that we have without Swift and without Samuel. Both of those guys, I would guess, will be out again this week. We're hoping they will be back for the race for the $500,000 really get us kind of back in the competition for that. We'll also be either starting uh, Derek Carr, who really, I think, hammered home the point that the Raiders no longer have the passing weapons to move the ball or be a threat through the air at all. Struggled against Washington, or we have Joe Burrow with a dislocated pinky finger. Column, I had that happen in a high school basketball game. Got it put back in, went back into the game, played a little bit more, um, and then that finger was extremely sore for several weeks. So I wouldn't have relished trying to squeeze a football with that dislocated pinky finger. <laughs> One more little thing that Joe Burrow has to overcome now. He did throw some nice, nice passes in the second half. Uh, his normal nice soft pass became a nice soft pass with a wobble. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that works out for us. But yeah, I mean, this has been a blast and we continue to get messages from listeners talking about how they have been advancing in the FFPC. And that's one of the reasons why we talk about these teams, obviously, is that number one, we want accountability for the ideas that we're putting out there, both in terms of player selection and in terms of structure. As you mentioned, we also want to share this with the community because so many of the listeners have very similar teams, right? And so if we're doing well, then we can feel fairly comfortable that, at least many of the listeners. That doesn't mean you couldn't have had a team that hit all of the guys who got hurt or who hit a disproportionate number of the players that we liked who haven't had that same level of success. But overall, 2021 has been a good season. Yeah, it has. And uh, you mentioned there about the, the listener teams. We do have uh, a couple that have been submitted uh, over the weekend that are interested in some thoughts. So we may do that on a Saturday show and look through some of those. But the key, Sean, and all the feedback, I mentioned the structure, and I think that's part of the feedback that's coming in is now the full and true understanding of why you do the structure because every team, including the one that we did last Saturday, the best ball team that we talked through, is like teams this season and every season but this season in particular are getting destroyed by injuries and you often ask the question to people will say how are you going to start eight wide receivers like how are you going to do that well the fact is that you won't but you will need that depth and the fact is then that when you are missing Debo Samuel this week but your other three starting wide receivers and even with Hill 
having a real low scoring week for him this week when you have those top end guys and they're not always going to do it but you know i'm pretty confident that most weeks two out of the three of you know justin jefferson chris godwin and um tyreek hill are going to have 20 plus point week games and then if debo comes back you mix him into the mix you're not going to be starting them all but you are going to have to start them and the, the, they are the guys that are going to put up the points so it's interesting that each time we get feedback it's that team is destroyed by injury but is still crushing the opposition so uh you know when you're trying to win the flex and, and build those things in uh, i think it's a great part so it's great to see um other people coming along on that journey as well getting those wins and we we wish all our listeners that are heading towards the playoffs or in the playoffs or maybe this year isn't the year that it's worked out for you but um hopefully you're enjoying listening into the shows you know and uh, getting those insights as well because i think it's going to be um to your advantage in, in future seasons as well nfl football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find nfl tickets anymore because tech pick that's t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k is the original no fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for nfl tickets TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their nfl tickets don't believe it if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site TickPick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price one of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers. Whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favourite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash RotoViz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets. That is techpick.com slash rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean, your piece on Monday this week started to look in it a little bit more towards baseball. I know, I know on social media, the ongoing joke tends to be, uh, you know, can't talk about your baseball teams, you know, in week one, week two, week three. But I think we're at the point now where we can start to openly discuss our, our baseball teams. And a lot of the tools on the website are just absolutely phenomenal um, when it comes to baseball with, you know, some of the stuff Mike Beers has done. Uh, I think that, you know, looking towards now, a lot of our conversations will be, 
along with the best ball tournament that, that was at the FFPC. And then, of course, the uh, best ball formats and the various formats of how our success will be on the season. You broke down in that piece this week on, on Monday as to how some of the tools were helping kind of get you into a very, very positive situation in terms of win rate or, or top two finishes at the moment. So I think that's something that, that might be good to touch on. How are your best ball teams faring at this point in time? Well, it's it's been another fantastic season. It's been a lot of fun to follow these. We obviously owe a lot to the research that the Fantasy Douche did back uh, in the early days of Rotoviz. And then Mike Beers, I consider to be the number one best ball guru uh, in the industry. And to have him uh, work so closely with us on so many of our tools and put so much of that information together for us has been fantastic. And then, you know, fortunately, the tools strongly encourage you to play the way that I like to play. Now, one of the things that we see as a real problem um, in fantasy football and then kind of in the wider world as people address you know problems out in society is that we have this idea of how we want the world to be, how we want a game or a project to be addressed. And we go ahead and decide to address it that way, regardless of whether or not the world is really like that and whether or not our solution to whatever our problem or our challenge is, we approach it as though the way that we like to do it is the best way to do it. And that tends to be fairly unsuccessful, right? And that's one of the reasons why some problems don't get solved. However, it is wonderful if the way that you like to do things, and maybe you like to do things because of a lot of rigorous research that you've done or a lot of gameplay that you've done on your own, uh, has led you to that point, has been successful. But one of the great things with the best ball tools is they strongly reinforce the approach to best ball that we've been using on the site for a long time. And then they also allow us to really refine that approach and to develop the best techniques or to make sure we have the best research and the best evidence for things like Superflex, if you want to get into that as well. And so there are all these avenues out there to use that information and be successful in your leagues. That doesn't mean you're going to win them all, obviously. Uh, other people know what they're doing, at least to an extent. One of the things that is kind of cool is you can go in and look at the tools and look at the current results. And you can see that most people are not playing it correctly, which that's, in, I mean, that gives you some confidence that if you do play correctly, that you're, you're at least in a chance, right? And so maybe instead of one in 12, you're getting up to one in seven, one in eight. You know, maybe if you stack a bunch of things together, maybe you're getting up to one and five. And if you do that, then you can start to, to make money at the endeavor, right? And so it was kind of fun. You and I have a team here in the best ball tournament. Overall, I did four. I know that's not a huge number in terms of uh, people who have the, the low dollar events and are doing hundreds of teams. But with the four of these, that's a $500 investment. Did a lot of the lower stakes ones as well. You put that within the context of playing redraft and playing dynasty. I mean, I'm not looking to get that much more exposure necessarily to best ball through the course of the season. But you have those four events and you, you know, even if you do things right, you could not make it. But one of the things that's been great is that two of the four are going to advance, including the one that you and I did with Blair. And that's fun because with two of the four advancing now, for anyone who hasn't played this and maybe looking to play it next year, it's a 13-week tournament. You need to be in the top two in your league. Then you advance to week 14. And there's a series of four one-week events culminating in week 17, where whoever wins that one will win the $100,000. We have made it into 
the next round and cashed for that original level, which is exciting, right? And so to get two of the four there and to outside of the $100,000 tournament, 25% uh, of the teams are currently in first place. And so obviously that's above the level that you would expect. And is it a level that will allow us to make money at the Endeavor? A lot of those teams I did with Blair. Blair does a lot of great work on the site with the best ball tools and with best ball strategy. And so partnering with him obviously is a real pleasure. Column, you and Zachary Kruger put together a best ball series in the off season. And uh, you guys did a fantastic job with that. I think anybody who listened to the best ball series is again in with a great chance at this point because they will have done a lot of things correctly. I focused on in the article the team that Zach and I drafted together. It also is one of those two teams that advanced. And unlike the team that you and I and Blair have, our team is not a Jonathan Taylor team. And so we're kind of hoping that most of the teams that we're seeing in there, or at least a lot of them, uh, in our individual league for this next week, the week 14, to try and get to week 15. We're hoping it's pretty heavily represented with Jonathan Taylor teams who are going to be maybe missing a big part of their roster. Yeah, I think that makes it interesting. And, and something just to hit on before I, I do let it slip by. Um, when we did most of these drafts, if not all of the drafts that we did in the offseason on these teams that we do discuss, we released those as, as draft episodes as well. Um, what I will be doing this week, I will hopefully get it all set up and done but i'll have to clip those episodes together and i'll post one long episode for both the main event which will be going into the final this week and then the basketball team that we drafted with blair and putting them both on the road of his radio or road of his overtime feed and i think that'll give you some insights into what we were thinking and how we ended up with this structure as we talked through those picks so if you are interested in listening into those they will post up this week uh, at some point probably towards the end of the week but it, it could be some interesting uh, listening there and of course one of those episodes were joined by Blair Andrews who is uh, is always fantastic to get his insights from but Sean in terms of the team it's interesting you mentioned that part of the strategy um, you'll probably hear us on the episode where we do draft Jonathan Taylor with Blair talking about the week 14 buy and not being part of the tournament but you also get his 13 weeks in the season and so on and so forth so there's a lot of strategy now starting to play out that was talked about in the offseason and the way that Lee, uh, this also plays out, Sean mentioned going into the smaller leagues, it's individual 12-team uh, leagues and the top three from each one go out. So you could potentially be pitted in a team or a division with you know six Cooper Cup teams. You could be pitted, for example, Sean's team uh, with Zach has Tyree Kill. That could be your occasion. So basically for one of Sean's teams, he's hoping that he's going up against uh, 11 teams that are missing Jonathan Taylor in and on the team with John and Taylor, he's hoping that he's going up against uh, somebody else, maybe <laughs> that isn't going to isn't going to make it true. But yeah, it should be super fun to go through that playoff format in the best ball tournament. John, some players this week with big big games, some players that had just phenomenal performances. I do want to highlight. I'm not going to talk anything else about it other than James Connor every week gets in the end zone and normally it's like a, a four-yard run so we don't really we just talk that it's working out for me in baseball but his catch this week to take it in for a touchdown against the bears was was a thing of absolute beauty so that's as much as we'll talk about james connor until we talk about him next week when he, he gets another touchdown this this coming sunday but in terms of some of the players that we do like to discuss and we've talked about a lot in the team and a team that we have talked a huge amount about because we have 
drafted a lot off those guys um, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals um, T Higgins with a massive week this week uh, lo- really strong performance you mentioned the injury to Burrow Burrow still is you know obviously he's second year quarterback lots going on with the injury recovering from that now the finger issue some of the interceptions he, he throws tend to be mind-boggling but this week was a, a step forward in terms of uh, fantasy production from him but t higgins was the the real bright spark and his touchdown that he received was it was a i guess what we'd call like a, a growing ass man play would be the, the way to describe that one um really impressive touchdown reception um finishes with a, a really strong performance helped us out in a number of different leagues i have a few questions to hit you with and i'll, I'll let you answer them then throughout is kind of the the change between i guess higgins is uh kind of emergence here so you know 138 yards and, and on nine receptions and a touchdown this week versus kind of the i guess dampening of what success was happening with uh jamar chase early in the season and um, it's kind of been a, a season almost of two halves about those guys so first question would be t higgins who you are extremely high on heading into the season and have remained so um obviously you're very impressed with his performance but how do you see that wide receiver pairing continuing uh for the rest of the season and and is it going to be a case where they they can both obviously we hope they both have big weeks and then joe burrow has an amazing week but what's the overall thoughts on on those wide receivers heading in towards the end of 2021 yeah i mean this one has been tricky and i've been a little bit surprising to me in that i mean it's a good reminder that while I don't think that you want to discount all of a team's trends or say, oh, you know, all of these teams start back at the beginning. We know the teams that are the most run heavy are historically going to regress a little bit toward the middle. We know the teams that are the most pass heavy are historically going to regress a little bit toward the middle. Um, But you would still prefer to have a team that has established themselves as a passing juggernaut. You would prefer to have those pieces in the passing game and vice versa with the run heavy teams. Now we've seen in this AFC North, it's been kind of crazy because we've witnessed the Bengals go very much to a Joe Mixon centric team this year, whereas the Ravens, (laughs) who have been obviously one of the most run heavy organizations have been very pass heavy with the injuries they've had at the running back position in some ways that's a little bit easier to understand because the injuries uh, have so demonstrably been the catalyst for this evolution with the Bengals it's surprising to see them add Jamar Chase who you know one of the reasons that it makes sense to you know, take it one week at a time, not get too far ahead of yourself, uh, even with some of these young guys, is that you're going to have hot streaks, you're going to have cold streaks. When a when a historically great prospect has a hot streak to start his rookie year, then obviously you know, you're going to be very excited about that, and justifiably so. When, when Ben and I had the discussion on Stealing Bananas um, about a month and a half ago at this point about where Chase and how Pitts were going to be for next year. We were both very high on them, and I think justifiably so, and I think that they're going to be fantastic. They're going to be drafted very early next year. The point that I kind of made with Pitts is that for him especially, it's just a handful of games really where he's been awesome. Now, we don't see that many games like that for rookie tight ends, and we know that he came in as this sort of receiving rookie. And so, again, you're thinking there's evidence to suggest 
he's going to really go off. Now, I think losing Calvin Ridley has been an issue there. And you know, we talk all the time about really what we'd like to see is a very concentrated passing offense with two guys who are really good. So you can't necessarily focus on just the one. You don't want a bunch of these peripheral targets siphoning volume. But those two guys you'd like to, to function together there. He hasn't had that. With the Bengals, we really have seen this switch now. So the, the main thing here is I'm very disappointed about the overall passing volume. I think that as things go forward, and maybe this doesn't even come into play. Well, I don't expect it to come into play this year. But if you're looking big picture, I expect the Bengals blocking to improve. The Bengals, piece by piece, are building a Super Bowl champion. As they continue the build out, they're going to get some better blocking for Joe Burrow. Hopefully some of the issues he's having this year, he will correct. I mean, they still have a lot of plays where he just does not get into his reads. And you know, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the fact that you have three elite wide receivers if you're getting sacked as you're looking at your first read there. So we'll see how that develops, but it is disappointing to see Joe Mixon so involved because obviously we don't have Joe Mixon. We feel right about that. Uh, it also just takes volume away from these guys that we would like to score. But yeah, we've seen this big flip back in the other direction and it was very much underlined by Jamar Chase really con continuing a streak of poor performances, right? And this game turned when he's behind the defense and that was a crazy play. It really was. It really was. And almost all the listeners will be familiar with it. But when you're behind the defense for like a 70-yard touchdown, and instead of catching the ball, you end up batting it up in the air and it gets picked off. I mean, it's a huge change in terms of the points that he was going to score, a big change in terms of the points that Burrow was likely going to score. Now, things would have been different later on in the game. We don't know if Burrow would have been able to pass as much or get some of the plays that they got later. But it's a very big play in the game, right? Conversely, we saw Higgins make those plays. And this is kind of going back to what we thought in the preseason and and the reasons that we liked Higgins, right? Receivers with his profile tend to make a big project production jump in year two. He's got these prospect comps that include guys like Michael Thomas and Gary Hawkins, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got rookie comps that includes players like Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, CeeDee Lamb. And so, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, what is he doing after on the field? What are the coaches saying? They're like, oh, this guy looks amazing. He's made these huge improvements over where he was last year. You know, well, last year he was already pretty good, right? So, you're thinking, okay, he's going to go out there and just absolutely dominate defensive backs. And, I mean, that that hasn't exactly happened. One of the reasons that I was enthusiastic about Higgins, even with Chase there, is that two of the closest comps for Higgins and guys who would kind of pop up in multiple places when you look over at his overall resume, guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Larry Fitzgerald, both of those guys had, or as a group, I think Smith-Schuster was like 299, Fitzgerald was like 305, somewhere in there in terms of total points in their second years. And those guys are playing with Antonio Brown and Anquan Bolton, right? And so if you're looking at the start of the season, you're saying, okay, well, Jamar Chase is going to be better than peak Antonio Brown. He's going to be better than Anquan Bolton. I mean, remember back to this point, I mean, Anquan Bolton was an absolute star. Uh, anybody who's too young to have really kind of watched him play a lot, I mean, that guy was unreal right so you're talking about these players who kind of existed to get in that dynamic where you have the two elite guys and then it's very hard to take one away if jamar chase did what people were thinking then one of the things that we can look forward to is this Bengals offense is going to be a juggernaut you want to have joe burrow on all your teams we do have joe burrow on our, our teams it hasn't exactly worked out even though both guys look great so and i guess i say it hasn't exactly worked out only from the perspective of I would like to have had a ton of points from Burrow. He's done fine within the context of this not being as high scoring a quarterback season. 
but you know, still a little bit disappointing. So then you go in and you look at, well, where is Higgins? And he averages about 17 points per game over the first two. Well, that's that's not 20 points per game, which I think actually is a realistic, enthusiastic outcome. And it's going to be toward a ceiling outcome. But I, I don't know. I mean, again, the, the sky, I think, was definitely the limit for Higgins. He comes in, he has those couple games. He has the injuries. He misses a couple games. He comes back weeks five and six, kind of working back into it, doesn't score more. And then week seven through 11, right, Colin? He was very much this buy low target, someone who's averaging over 100 air yards a game. He's got the targets. He's got that depth of target. I mean, that's obviously where you get the air yards from when you combine both the targets and a decent target depth. But you have this profile that looked very good for scoring. But number one, his air conversion was at 60%. Number two, he was in this touchdown drought. As a result of that, he's not hitting the potential that was there. But then, Colin, over the last two weeks, he averages 26 points per game. And if you were in on Higgins and you managed to stay competitive, and that's one of the reasons why it kind of hooked back in with this idea of the overall kind of concept of the article, these best ball teams we drafted, the team that Zach and I have that is in. T. Higgins was one of our guys. He was one of the reasons why we were able to hold off our opponents to stay in that slot. And Higgins now, one of the reasons that I like our chances to make a little bit of noise in the postseason if things turn out correctly. Where are you now on Higgins, on Chase? Uh, throw the question back to you. What are you seeing with this offense? I mean, again, we don't know now if Burrow really is going to be able to throw the ball the next couple of weeks. It may be kind of a weird dynamic. You hate to think. I mean, so the thing that worked out for us, right, uh, just to kind of wrap back around with that story, we went into Monday Night Football with one and a half, two-point two point lead in there. We're playing Stevenson, our opponent's playing Jacoby Myers <laughs> when the Patriots go out and run the ball. I mean, pass the ball three total times. You're like, ah, oh, this was preordained. The reason I bring that up is that, I mean, there's probably a scenario in which the Bengals try to do a Patriots light type of attack with Mixon running so well and Burrow's finger being jacked up. I don't know if we're going to know ahead of time <laughs> if that's going to be the case. But there is a nightmare scenario in which the Bengals, you know, don't throw the ball a lot from this point on. Yeah, that, that's very fair. So I guess the key there is to see, uh, you know, Borrow's health and, and things moving forward. I, I will be, unless he's out, I'll be starting those guys in any leagues I have them. Uh, the chase one is, is it's always interesting when somebody starts off a season really well or finishes a season really well or, again, has a bad start to the season. For example, a Brand Nayuk or even a T. Higgins who have completely kind of bounced back and have uh, got their value back to nearly where it would have been uh, in the preseason, for example. So I, like you, when draft time was coming, I was hoping that Chase probably wouldn't end up with the Bengals with Higgins already there. But uh, I think there's room for both of them. I think what we've seen, and we have seen, you've made the joke a few times about on third down when they need a first down they go to, to tyler boyd and um, they did that a couple of times this week but i think he's the one that's this missing out and i think the two young guys are going to be the ones that push on here with borrow uh interestingly enough the the touchdowns that um higgins have got have been both you know pretty pretty deep shots and chase had that option this week where he well, I wouldn't say it's an option, but he kind of fumbled it up in the air and uh, led to the interception, which also could have been a deep touchdown. So they were the sort of plays we weren't really seeing consistently in recent weeks. We've seen some of the you know, deep touchdowns go in the way of Chase early in the season. So I think overall, with 
mixing and his rushing over the last couple of weeks has helped this offense kind of find a bit more rhythm for those plays so you know even if it is a case where they do run it more if they're able to take some of those play action shots those two guys can can win those contested catches as well so i really like both moving forward um i have rosters with both guys on it and both redraft and dynasty and i think in, in dynasty both of those guys like I, I don't know if i don't really think there's a better young wide receiver tandem in the league like if you think they're both in their first and second year and they're likely to continue to improve um you could say that potentially the 49ers with with Debo and IU could be kind of close to it but um both, both fantastic talents moving forward it's hard to judge I probably like I probably have a little bit of bias here too I probably would lean still to Higgins but uh the like that's obviously recency as well with the the last couple of weeks how things have have turned around for him if we had this discussion six weeks ago we would have clearly I think been leaning towards chase but uh, let's hope that burrow's healthy and that'll be the the main thing to consider there sean i did touch off at the start of the show with two wide receivers that we had in our lineups this week and that was justin jefferson and chris godwin um they were basically for me the the superstar wide receivers off the week i'll let you either mention both of them or mention one of them or mention your overall thoughts i guess the keynote to mention on the uh justin jefferson one is that adam Thielen um got banged up in that game so jefferson had a a plus 30 percent target share in that and if Thielen is to miss time i would expect it to stay plus 30 percent. so that could be a a big boost towards jefferson owners here as we move forward it could and i think that before the injury we were looking at a a variety of elements on ceiling bananas last week about why justin jefferson was going to put on a big push to where i mean he would get back basically to being the dynasty wide receiver one that he would be in there after maybe only the big four QBs in terms of the most valuable player in even super. So if you're talking about super flex and saying, you know, he's the fifth or sixth most valuable player in all of dynasty, that gives you a good sense of where he was even before he has this game with Adam Thielen being out the 14 targets, the 11 receptions, 182 yards. I mean, you have this situation here where he and and T. Higgins and then our other guy, Elijah Moore, are up there at the top of the air yards leaderboard for week 13. Moore with the 12 targets actually has 201 air yards. Now, not surprisingly with it being Moore and with it being uh, Zach Wilson, you get an air conversion ratio there for Moore (laughs) below 40%. But you look at the top of that target leaderboard and you see a combined 32 targets for Godwin and T Higgins Godwin a player who you know very clearly as in a, at least a little bit the situation with Justin Jefferson has benefited from an injury has benefited from the fact that Antonio Brown was you know and has been out and now will be out for a while since he has this additional little trouble on top of the injury that he has but this was set up to be a very good environment anyway, right? This is another one of the, the kind of situations here. The, you have this, one of the things that's fun about the fantasy playoffs, one of the things that's fun about having head-to-head matchups. I mean, there are some weaknesses to head-to-head matchups where the best teams don't always win and you have you know luck in terms of who even you got to play in the semifinals. You know, some of those things can be frustrating, especially if you have a dynamic team that doesn't make it through. But there are a lot of things that just you, you only get right with these head-to-head matchups. So we had a game last week where we have Chris Godwin, our opponents have uh, Mike Evans. 
we have Justin Jefferson. Our opponent has Alexander Madison. You were mentioning to me in a conversation we were having that the drive where Jefferson scores the touchdown, that really looked like it was going to be an Alexander Madison touchdown drive. Obviously, that would have flipped the outcome. Uh, as we went into the weekend and you know we were 20-point underdogs in terms of projections, one of the things we knew we had to have happen was we had to have Chris Godwin outscore Mike Evans or, or get lucky in a bunch of other ways. But the, one of the key ones that we could do was this, and that's what we got. So you get the 17 targets for Godwin. You get the 10 targets for Evans. I mean, Evans is a fine game, 7 for 99 yards. He's a very, very good wide receiver. But this goes back to sort of our thesis going into the season. Talked about, you know, who were a couple of guys based on their profiles who could be this year's Stephon Diggs. And the two guys that I really liked in terms of where they were targeted, you know, what their profile is over the past couple of years, the talent level that's obviously there. So DJ Moore and Chris Godwin. And you could say that that has been both right and wrong in some key ways. With DJ Moore, obviously, the offensive collapse has completely undermined this target profile he has, which is basically one of the five best in the NFL. He's obviously not one of the five best fantasy receivers because of what their context is. And now we have the fired offensive coordinator. We have them supposedly wanting to run the ball 30-plus times a game with Hubbard. You know, Maybe that'll play to our benefit. But DJ Moore being completely taken out of what could have been the season where he would emerge as a potential 2022 first round pick. It'll be interesting to see because the volume has been there and the target share has been there. If they get a quarterback, I'm just going to be a bummer because you know, you're going to have not gotten the performance this year. And then he's still going to be very expensive because people understand that target profile is hugely valuable. So he'll be expensive in next year's drafts. If they fix the QB situation, the issue with Godwin has been, in some ways that this target profile has not been exactly what we expected in 2020 they bring antonio brown in he functions really as this underneath guy chris godwin still the player getting the variety of targets including these very valuable intermediate targets and then mike evans a little bit more of a deep threat who had lost some value with the moves on brady so it looks like okay well evans the guy who still very valuable Right, but probably not a league winner with Tom Brady. Antonio Brown, the guy who's a good uh, value play, but also probably doesn't have the upside. And then Godwin, the person who sort of fits perfectly in the sweet spot. Well, a lot of the target elements between Godwin and Antonio Brown had actually flipped in that first month when Brown was actually playing. And even now with Brown out, we've still gotten a very much underneath kind of role for Chris Godwin. Not surprisingly, when you hear, you know, 17 targets, 15 receptions, you know, it's not going to come as a shock to you that his target depth was just five and a half yards down the field. If you look at him from an overall seasonal perspective, you're seeing a guy who is one of the most shallow receivers in terms of being targeted just over seven yards down the field. I mean, that's in there below the Cooper Cup, below the Keenan Allen, you know, pure possession range. But one of the reasons why we do like targeting players who come in with this great profile and come in with this great talent level is that it gives you some room to be wrong, right? Or it gives you some room to move in a way that maybe has some elements that are not as positive. And I mean, you could look at the target depth for Godwin being a little bit of a negative. We think in terms of the, I believe, 
2018 season for Stephon Diggs, right? Diggs had the season where he was targeted exclusively underneath for the Vikings, and then the next season where he was targeted exclusively deep for the Vikings, and then he goes to the Bills, and he's targeted all over, and he makes this big emergence. Well, I mean, Godwin's having this sort of 2018-ish season of Stephon Diggs, but that'll work, right? He's got 105 targets already. And one of the nice things about those is even though you do lose some of this upside of having you know, these 60 and 70 yard gains, and, and Godwin did have one uh, deep-ish target that he hauled in last week that did juice his yardage numbers a little bit. It was kind of funny where in that first drive, I think he catches five passes for 30 yards. He's at 949 now in season. He has five touchdowns, something you're going to get when you have this connection with Tom Brady or you get to play the Tom Brady offense. And so things more or less still going well for Godwin. And now he is up there into the top five wide receivers in fantasy scoring. And so it, it it's panned out. And you can look at it and say, okay, well, injuries did play a role. One of the reasons why we didn't, we were trying not to reach as we were looking at some of these teams with three wide receivers like the Bucks and like the Bengals, both of whom we were pretty heavily invested in. You're trying not to reach at the same time you're thinking, okay, if an injury does happen in one of these offenses, or maybe a little bit to an extent, you know, if someone is marginalized, like Tyler Boyd has been, you know, in part, then the other two guys are going to be undervalued. This is kind of the thing that we're seeing with Chris Godwin, even with some of these red flags. And so he's someone who's panned out there. And I mean, again, Colin, this is a guy who was the overall wide receiver too in 2019. You want to be hardcore going after players who have established this level of performance and are still young, right? Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, a couple of those guys who are actually younger than people probably think because they did come into the NFL very young. You contrast that with some of the players who are a little bit older than people might realize. Not that those players can't perform well. I mean, Cooper Cup and Deontay Johnson, a couple of guys who might actually be a little bit older than people realize they're having very nice seasons. But when you get superstars who are still kind of in that peak window, draft them when you're getting any kind of discount. Yeah, and just for for the listeners maybe listening and wondering, uh, Chris Godwin is you know, 25 years old, turned 25 in February, so he will be 26 when next season starts. But has been in the league quite you know quite a few years, and people may think he's approaching kind of closer to the, the 30 age bracket. But uh, another note on Godwin that performance this week was the. Uh, Bucks franchise record for receptions in a game so we're not going to expect that every single week but um yeah really really positive um from him there and like you said two years ago huge season last year not as much and then this year um another big big season so uh working out pretty well there looking forward to another couple of shows this week as i mentioned we will be also releasing the uh fall draft episodes from the best ball tournament with Blair and of course the main event that we drafted as well I'll have to listen back I know I've mentioned this a few times I haven't listened back yet I, I really need to hear the the discussion around the Trey Sermon pick and to, to update the listeners Trey Sermon was added to the waiver wire this week we we did cut ties uh, with them but uh, looking forward to those shows later in this week where we'll talk through Javante Williams and much much more as always you can drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate that a lot if you haven't signed up yet for a road of his nfl pass you can do so and use the code rv radio 2021 at checkout that saves you 10 percent as a loyal podcast listener so get yourself a, a treat as you're heading to the holiday save yourself 10 percent 
uh, and get yourself access to everything up on rotaviz.com. You can also go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. That's going to do it for today's edition of Rotoviz Overtime. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. And of course, check out Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back on Thursday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.